the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Romans, he said, I long to see you that I might impart a spiritual gift to you that would help you to be established. And that's my desire, that I would be able to impart something to you that could really help to uh, change your life and take you, like we say, from glory to glory to glory to glory. Because um, we have to walk by faith, amen? Walk by faith and not by sight. And often, I mean, we know how important it is that the words that we speak. And sometimes people say, well, how can I say I'm healed when my body says I'm sick? Well, we know your body can speak really loud to you, can't it? It can say, well, I'm, ho I'm hot, I'm cold, I'm hungry, I ate too much. <laughs> you know, your body speaks loud to you. So how can I say I'm healed when my body says I'm sick? Because it is written. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says, by his stripes you are healed. Not going to be, but you are healed. And in 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, by his stripes you were healed. So if the Bible says you are and you were, then, honey, you is. So, see, you have to see yourself as the Word of God says you are. And how do you get to that place, the Word? You've got to stay in the Word until it becomes so real on the inside of you. Because, again, it's intimacy with the author and the finisher of your faith. You need to stay in the Word until it is so real. If you have to read it a million times, but you've got to see yourself as the word says you are. So you have to learn to live from the inside out. Amen. So we walk by faith, not by sight. That means that you have to walk by the truth and not by the facts. Amen. Facts can speak very, very loudly to, to you. So faith, once again, is of the heart. And so you have to learn to live from the inside out. Faith is the eye that sees the invisible. The eye of faith sees first what the natural eye does not yet see. You think about creation. It said that the earth was without form and void. There was nothing here. But God saw, he saw creation. He saw it within and spoke it out. How many have ever been to Disneyland? Disney World, fun place. Well, after Disneyland was finished, Walt Disney began to build the Disney World. But before Disney World was finished, Walt Disney passed away. But they completed the project, then they had the grand opening and the big ceremony, and they had speakers, and of course, Mrs. Disney was one of the speakers. And the MC was going to introduce Mrs. Disney. And he said, we're so honored to have Mrs. Disney here today. Uh, we're very sorry that Walt Disney isn't here to see this. But again, we're just so thrilled to have Mrs. Disney. And Mrs. Disney got up on that platform. And the first thing she said was, my husband, Walt Disney, he did see it. He saw it in here. And if Walt Disney hadn't first seen within Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, the park, the rides. Had he not first seen it in here, none of you would have ever seen it. I wouldn't have seen it. None of us would have ever seen it out here had he not first seen within. Isn't that true? And what do you see on the inside of you? Do you see? You've got to see yourself healed. You've got to see yourself as the word 
says you are. Again, you've got to learn to live from the inside out. I like what it says in Luke 18, 27. The things which are impossible with men, or you could say impossible with the doctor, is possible with God. Or the things that are impossible with the banker is still possible with God. All things are possible with God. And all things are possible to him who believes, who trusts in the Lord. Amen. I grew up in um, church. I used to go to uh, First Lutheran Church on 31st and Jackson here in Omaha. Then I also went to... Um, when they had vacation Bible school at both different churches, there was another church by my house, so I would go to that church for vacation Bible school. The pastor there was actually Dr. Roy Hicks. I don't know if anybody had heard of Dr. Roy Hicks, but, um, and that was right there on Davenport Street, just a block from Central High School. And, but in those early years, uh, my brothers and I, we never missed church, and my mother didn't drive, so we had to uh, walk in the snow, sleet, hail, we had no car. We had to walk. And my brothers and I, we got a pin several years for perfect attendance. And we were even toddlers walking to church because my mother didn't have a car to drive. But in those early years, there were two scriptures that just got engrafted on the inside of me. The first one is Psalm 73. Truly, God is good. And 1 John 4, 8, God is love. And I just, I grabbed a hold of that, and I knew that God loved me and that he was a good God to me personally. It just became so real on the inside of me as a little girl. But in those early years of even getting perfect a, a pen for perfect attendance, I never heard one thing about healing. We read the stories in the Bible, but nobody ever testified or nobody talked like it still happened today. But by the time I was 28 years old, I became very sick with cancer. I had a very rare form of cancer. It was cancer of the appendix. And not only is it rare, but it's also very difficult for the doctors to recognize that kind of cancer. I was told later that I was approximately the eighth person in the entire United States to ever be recorded of that kind of cancer. And I'd been sick about five months and just going downhill and Finally, the doctor said, Marilyn, we're going to put you back in the hospital. And this time, we're going to do exploratory surgery, and maybe we'll find the problem. Well, I was admitted into the hospital, and the nurse came to prep me for surgery. But because they didn't know what was wrong with me, they gave me a wrong procedure. And that procedure put pressure on my appendix and caused them to begin to rupture. She came in, gave, them a, gave the procedure, and she left in about a minute. It felt like there was a volcano about to erupt on the inside of me. I felt very sick. My pain had increased, and I knew I needed to get into the restroom. I got out of bed. I could hardly walk, but I struggled, and I finally got into the, the bathroom right there in my hospital room. And when I got in there, I saw something that grabbed my attention. It's a little red button, and underneath it says, emergency button. And I knew I needed to hit that button and call for help. And I reached out to touch the button, and God, in all of his love, all of his goodness, all of, all of God intervened in my life. When I went to touch the button, my finger literally bounced away. I thought, what was that? I just reached out a second time to hit the button, and a second time my finger bounced away. It was like boing, boing. I thought, what's that? 
I need to hit the button. So this time I reached my whole hand out, I'm going to hit the button. And suddenly I came in contact with a wall. I thought, well, there's a wall here. A wall was between my hand and the button and I couldn't get past the wall to hit the button. And I thought to myself, invisible wall, that, that doesn't compute. And no more did I have that thought when I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me. And he spoke three times, and the first thing he said was, your time is up. Under your present condition, you are destined to die. Now, that's a strong report when it's coming from God, not the doc. This is God talking to me. I'm 28 years old with two little children at home. And then the Lord spoke the second time. He said, your life has been removed from the hands of mankind. Your condition is now beyond the help of the medical profession. And I knew that had something to do with that procedure. And then the Lord spoke the third time, and you'll know the scripture because he spoke out of the Gospel of John. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he said, through me, you can change your destiny. You don't have to die. See, he said, through me, you can change your destiny. See, he's already done all he's going to do. The rest is up to us. We have to respond to what the word says about our situation. And I immediately responded back. I said, Lord, I've read that scripture so many times, and I always thought you were talking about spiritual salvation only. But, Lord, I know the day I got born again, so you must be talking about a, a physical salvation like healing. But Lord, I don't know one thing about healing, but I do know that you love me, and I know that you are good to me, and if you are telling me that you have a healing for me, I take it. Now, I want to interrupt my testimony to say something really important. When I was a little girl, my mother gave me a really pretty little white Bible. And I knew I'm supposed to read that Bible. And so every night before I went to bed, and I started in Genesis, I would read a chapter if it wasn't too long, because I'm just in, in grade school, <laughs> checked off, just checked off every chapter. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, I didn't understand half of it. I probably didn't understand anything that I was reading. But you know what I was doing? Familiarizing myself with his voice. And when he spoke to me that day in the hospital, knowing nothing about healing, I knew his voice. I mean, it was audible. I thought, God is talking to me. And see, that's why it's so important that you take time to spend time in the word with the Lord, because that will become real on the inside of you. I said, Lord, I don't know one thing about healing, but I know you love me, and I know you're good to me, and if you have a healing for me, I take it. And I didn't know what to expect to happen. But at that moment, it just seemed as though my pain magnified and fear wanted to grip me. But somehow I just knew, don't give place to fear. And I took my left hand and I grabbed my stomach. And then I reached out with my right hand onto the railing. There's a little railing on the side of the hospital bathroom wall to keep from falling to the floor. And then everything within me, I cried out to God. I said, God, help me. Help me, help me. And at that moment, the scripture in Isaiah 41, 13 came alive. 
It says, For I, the Lord your God, will take hold of your right hand. Fear not, I will help you. Isn't that, is that not just the most beautiful scripture when you're crying out for help? And he says, I will help you. I will hold your hand and I will help you. And at that moment, I literally felt Jesus take hold of my right hand. I looked over and I couldn't see Jesus, but I could actually feel his fingers and his thumb. And he squeezed my hand. It was a gentle squeeze, but at the same time, there was so much authority in that touch. And I began to sense agape love like I've never experienced in all my life. And I recognized that he was showing me not just his love for me, but his love for all humanity. And then heat started coming out of his hand into my hand. And then that heat started moving up my arm. It's almost like I could watch mercury in a thermometer. The heat just went up my arm, up, up, up. And when it reached my shoulder, the best way for me to describe it is the motion of lift continued. And the Lord lifted my spirit out of my body. And he opened my eyes to look into the spirit realm. And I actually saw my spirit. How many know you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body? I didn't know that. I was one, I mean, completely clueless. And I saw my spirit. I touched myself. And I said, I am a spirit. In a few moments, I'm going to give you an illustration to show you all the things that the Lord taught me. But it was the most glorious experience of my life. And Jesus began to teach me about healing, which has become the main thrust of my ministry, although I teach on many other things. But when he finished teaching me, Jesus let go of my hand, and I was instantly back in my body. And I touched all around my stomach. There was no pain. And I knew I'd been touched by God, and I was healed. I didn't know what I was healed of yet, but all I wanted to do was go back to my bed and worship the Lord. I just, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to embrace what had just happened to me and just worship it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. I don't, I just thank you, just thank you, thank you. About an hour later, an orderly came to take me down to the operating room. Well, of course, I was clueless on how to explain anything that had happened to me, so I didn't say anything. Next thing I knew, I was in the recovery room. And the doctor came in to talk to me, and he says, Marilyn, something must have happened to you before the operation. He said, because during the surgery, I found cancer, but the cancer was not attached to you. It was not attached to anything. I looked down, and I saw, I just, hmm, I just picked it up and took it out. I didn't have to cut anything. Therefore, you don't need any chemotherapy. You don't need any radiation because it wasn't attached. It was all by itself just floating there. I said, I, said, I just picked it up. I took it out. He said, something. I think he tried to say somebody must have done something to you, but he just kept saying something must have happened. And then back then, if they gave you a wrong procedure, they would admit it. And he said, you know, we gave you a wrong procedure, and that procedure that we gave you should have killed you, but something stopped it. And then later, when I was all alone in my room, you know, the Bible says the Lord knows us by our name, and I heard the Lord whisper my name, and he said, Marilyn, when I was holding your hand, I was also holding back your appendix from rupturing so the doctor could go in and remove the cancer in its entirety because I wanted you to know 
exactly what I did for you. God is good. God is love. And he is not a respecter of persons. So I want to use an illustration tonight. And I'm going to ask, um, Pastor Dave said I could ask Pastor Mark, Pastor Mike, and who was the other person? Earl, I, um, who was that? Edwin, that was it. You, <laughs> thank you, three pastors, for volunteering. If you could come up here. Are you all in the room? <laughs> Aren't you glad your pastor volunteered you? Hallelujah. Are we missing one? How about, is it John? Tom? No. Rob. Anybody. We just need another. That's good. That's good. Now, how many like to have fun in church? Well, that's it. Me too. Now, I'm going to let you hold. You hold that side and you hold this side. And you get to hold this side. Hold up very, very high so everybody can see. Now, don't the guys look nice? <laughs> Holding a little dust. Now, because you're being a good sport, I am going to promote you in a little bit. Oh, but I just want you to know this. Um, so you are a spirit being. Amen? Amen? This is the part of you that gets born again. This is the part that is translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you all see over there? You are a spirit being. Now, you have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your emotions, and your freedom of choice. Now, I have these two connected because whether you make your bed in heaven or hell, they're going to be together. But our greatest need, the greatest need that you have, the greatest need that I have is that your soul, that your mind is renewed to the word of God every day. That is your greatest need, that your mind is renewed. Because your mind and your spirit have got to come into agreement. They've got to get to the place where they are in one accord. Because your spirit is always drawn to the spirit of God. It's always drawn towards the things of God. And you have to live from the inside out. But if your mind is not renewed, it's always going to argue. It will always argue. You know, the Bible says this, yeah, but the doctor said, but God, yeah, but there's no yeah, buts in the book. So they've got to get into agreement, and that will never happen until you renew your mind and get into that word until that word is so real on the inside of you that you see yourself as the word says you are. Because, you know, there's a price to pay to get a miracle. It's not going to be poof. There's a price to pay. Amen? And you've got to build yourself up. Now, your spirit and your soul, you live in a body, which is simply the house that you live in. Now, not every person is going to have an out-of-the-house experience, but every one of you live in a house somewhere. Could be single-story, two-story, but you live in a house somewhere. But you're not in that house right now. You are in the church. So we could say that you are having an out-of-the-house experience. Therefore, you don't know what is happening in your house because you're not in the house. But if you were to go home, I mean, you don't know, maybe the light bulb burned out or the cat jumped on the table and maybe somebody's knocking on the door. You don't know because you're not at home. You're not in the house. But if you were to go home and stand in your driveway, and God forbid, but if your house was on fire, you would witness the destruction of your house. But, of course, you wouldn't be burned because you're not in the house. However... <laughs> if it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you wake up and it is hot and you open that bedroom door and you find your house is a blaze of fire 
and you're in the house, you will feel the effects of that fire. Amen? Because you are in the house. This is you. You live in this house 24-7. Every time something happens to this house, guess what? You will know it because you are in the house. If this house is in pain because it broke its arm, you're going to know it. Now, just like this house has an exterior, it has a roof, door, windows, it also has an interior, electrical wiring, plumbing, furniture. There's an interior and an exterior of this house. This house has an exterior, eyes, nose, mouth, skin, hair. This is the outside of this house. But this house also has an inside. All kinds of organs make up the inside of this house. But this is only a house that you live in. And if there's a disease on the inside of that house or something hurting on the outside, you will always know it. Why? Because you are in the house. So you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Are we on the same page? Okay, I'm going to come back and promote you in a little while. Thank you, gentlemen. Didn't they do a nice job? Now turn, if you would, to Romans. Romans chapter 8. Let's look at verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, or we could say who do not walk according to the facts, but according to the Spirit. Why? Because you live from the inside out. So then beginning in, let's look at, drop down to verse 6. The mind controlled, ruled, or we could say governed by the flesh or governed by the facts is death. That word death is talking about living a defeated life. You know, there's many Christians saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, but they live a defeated life. They live day after day after day in defeat, yet they're born again and spirit-filled. But it says, but those who have their mind governed or controlled or ruled by the Spirit, it's life, peace, healing, wholeness, victory, prosperity, whatever that you need that God has already purchased for you through the cross of Jesus Christ. But that will only happen as your spirit is controlled and governed by the spirit. Again, living from the inside out. Does that make sense to you? In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Take firm hold of instructions because instructions are your life. That's what this, oh, that little book I gave away, that healing book, is all about in Proverbs 4.13. But you need to understand what the instructions are because if you don't follow the instructions, if you don't know the instructions, you can uh, fail to receive healing. It says take hold of instructions because the instructions are your life. If you're not receiving uh, the promises of God, you need to go back and check, am I following the instructions or did I change the instructions? Because you can't change them. You've got to know what the instructions are and then follow the instructions. And in verse 20, he begins to tell us what the instructions are. He says, my son, give attention to my words. When you go to a doctor, you're going to get the doctor's report. You come to the word of the Lord and you're going to get the Lord's report. So we could say it like this. My son, give attention to my report. You're going to get two reports, the doctor's report and the Lord's report. And he says, pay attention to my report. Incline your ear 
to my sayings or incline your ear to my report. Don't let my report depart from your eyes. Keep my report in the middle of your heart. So you can see right here the ear, the ear gate and talks about the sayings. Well, then the mouth gate and the eye gate and the heart gate, those are all involved in the instructions. So the ear gate, the eye gate, the mouth gate, and the heart gate are involved in the instructions. And I'm not going to go into detail on all of that, of that uh, scripture, but you can get that little book and it will. And then in verse 23, keep or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Guard your heart. What are you supposed to guard your heart against? The facts. Guard your heart against the facts. Today, too many people... If they get a, a negative report from the doctor, the first thing they do is they want to go check out what Mr. Google has to say. <laughs> Mr. Google is not the healer. He's not your friend. All Mr. Google can do is give you more facts. And facts breed fear. And fear is the enemy of your faith. You need to guard your heart against the facts. That's why you want to stay in the Word till it becomes so alive on the inside of you. You know, really, healing should be so easy for us to understand because who made the human body? God did. Whose Word is this? God's Word. After the fall of man, God knew that the human body was going to be subject to sickness and disease. So God chose. He could have chosen anything, but He chose His Word to be the medicine for the human body that he made. So therefore, the human body will never reject God's medicine. And God's medicine will never reject God's body. They, were, they each have an assignment to work together to heal uh, one another. The body will never reject the medicine. The medicine will never reject the body. You know, if somebody was to get a, a human transplant, then they say, well, we have to wait a few months to see if the body will accept that human transplant. Your body was made by God to accept this medicine, bar none. Amen? It was designed. It's just like seed and soil. God made the seed. God made the soil. You put that seed in the soil, it will respond to that soil. You can have a package of seeds on, on a shelf in your garage for years, and then you decide, well, I think I'm going to plant those seeds. You know what? It'll grow because it has an assignment to respond to the soil. Your body has an assignment from the throne room of heaven to respond to this medicine to heal the body. Simple, isn't it? When you think about it, he got, they're both from God. They both are designed to re work together. So when you come into agreement with the word of God. You have come into agreement with the Holy Spirit because the word of God was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, or the word of God, represents, well, we'll say the Holy Spirit. He represents the anointing of God. Or we could say the Holy Spirit represents the power of God. So we could say the power of God lives on the inside of you and me. It's the power to remove the burden of sickness and to destroy the bondage of disease. But that power doesn't automatically activate itself. It needs an activator. It's the words that we speak infused with faith. Amen. Just like there's electricity in this building. And when the last person leaves, they turn the light switch off, but they don't disconnect it from the power company. The minute you got born again, you got, you got connected to a whole new power company. 
But so many people only turn it on for an emergency. No, you turn this on, honey, you never turn it off. You're going to go glory to glory to glory, get that power working stronger and stronger and stronger all the time. Amen. It's very, very important that you understand that. So going back to Romans, let's look at verse 8. I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells where? In you. Now, we have the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus was raised and um, seats at the right hand of God the Father. Amen. Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. So God the Father and God Jesus are in heaven. Would you agree with me on that? They're living in heaven. That's two-thirds of the Holy Trinity. The Trinity is made up of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So two-thirds of the Holy Trinity lives in heaven. The other one-third of the Holy Trinity is not in heaven. Where does the other third of the Holy Trinity live? To me, that's beyond awesome. That one-third of the Godhead lives inside of you and me. That God has put one-third third of himself to live on the inside of you and me. Now, we know that uh, bombs are very destructive. Bombs are powerful. You hear about the bombings in Afghanistan or all the terrorist attacks. But do you know that a bomb, no matter how strong it is, there will never be a bomb powerful enough to reach the pit of hell. That's never going to happen. No bomb will ever be strong enough to reach the pit of hell. But the same spirit that did reach the pit of hell and raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you and me. That's, that's awesome. And that power that's on the inside of you and me has the ability to zero in on a malignant tumor. Heal and destroy all those cancer cells and never harm any healthy tissue around it. Amen. That's how much power. We've got more power than a bomb. <laughs> but the power that's on the inside of you has the ability to zero in on a malignant tumor and, and destroy all those cancer cells and never harm any healthy tissue around it. See, death is not in the power of cancer. Death is not in the power of coronavirus. Death is in the power of the tongue. And you're covered with the blood. You just need to activate the power that's on the inside of you. Amen. Uh, Turn to John chapter 8, verse 32. Is this helping you at all? John chapter 8, verse 32. It says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. When people come up in a prayer line, I'm amazed that so many people in the prayer line could tell me more about the facts and they can tell me about the truth. I'll say, so uh, what scripture are you standing on for healing? Uh, well, you know, I, no, I don't know what you're standing on. Well, you know, Jesus heals, I th- and that's it. But you could tell me 45 minutes worth of all the pain medication, all the, the surgeries you had, all the things that you've gone through and the, about the facts, but you know two seconds about healing. The facts will never set you free. But until you know the truth, you'll never be able to receive 
the truth. So you've got to know the truth. Colossians 3.16, it says, let the word of Christ, I like to say it like this, let the word of truth dwell in you. And what's the very next word? Richly. That word richly is in there for a very specific purpose. The word richly is in there to tell us what level to have the word living on the inside of you. It needs to live in you on a rich level. If it's in you on a rich level, you will get rich level results. But if the word is in you on a medium level, well, you'll get some results, medium results. But if the word is in you on a low level, you're going to get low level results. So the Lord was very serious when he put that word in there, have the word in you on a rich level, because the word is infused with God. He is the medicine. So you want to have it in you on a rich level. You know, living in California, I live outside of San Diego right now, but whether you're in San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Diego, we have earthquakes, and we have tall buildings. And when they built those tall buildings, they make them as earthquake-proof as they can. Do you know when they do that? Before the earthquake, not in the middle of the earthquake. The wise man built his house upon the rock before the storm, not in the middle of the storm. So you need to have the word in you richly before the storm attacks you, not after the storm. You need to have that word in you richly before the storm. I've been to Africa on uh, several occasions. One time I even had to sleep in a tent in lion territory. So that was not my favorite hotel. <laughs> but I have been very close to lions. Matter of fact, I was as close maybe to, from me to Pastor Dave from a cheetah that had just killed a Thompson gazelle. And I saw the blood coming out of his mouth as he just was eating. I thought, mm, this is too close for comfort. <laughs> But I've seen the lions when they attack a prey. Do you know what kind of prey a lion attacks? A weak one. Why? Because he knows it's very easy to devour a weak prey. Well, the Bible says the devil goes around as a roaring lion. The devil is looking for Christians who have the word in them on a low weak level because the devil knows, oh, I can devour that Christian really easy. So why do you think the Lord put that word richly in there? So you'll be victorious. Don't be saved, filled, and defeated when you can be saved, filled, and triumphant. Amen. In John 6, 63, it says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing, but the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, when we worship the Lord, we have to worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. Well, when you speak the word of God, you need to speak the word from your spirit. That's why you want to live from the inside out. You've got to speak the word from your spirit because when you speak it from your spirit, then God puts life on it. But if it's just coming out of the, your head, he can't put life on it. But the only way you can speak it from your spirit is when you put it in your spirit on a rich level. Then when you speak, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I will live and not die, and no weapon formed against me will prosper. 
But too often, people just ramble off scriptures like it was a machine gun, just coming out of their head as fast as it can come. Just one word, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I will live and not die. And you speak that from your spirit, and God will put life on those words. But it's our responsibility to get it in there, because sometimes I think when you you speak it so fast like a machine gun, I don't think necessarily you mean to do it, but sometimes I think people treat the word of God like it was a magic potion. Hallelujah, I'm healing. Hallelujah, I'm healed. Hallelujah. No, it's not magic. It is spirit. And it is life. And if you want God to put life on it, you've got to speak it from your spirit. We've got a lot of responsibility, don't we? But we're made to be an overcomer. Again, you've got to live from the inside out. Okay, gentlemen, time for promotion. Hallelujah. Are you having fun? Oh, yeah. Okay, then. Okay, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a house, which is called a body. Now, let's just imagine you're going to go to the doctor for a physical examination. And the doctor says, oh, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but you have diabetes. You have allergies. You have whatever it could be, cancer, whatever it is. He says, you. Hmm, which one's you? Is this you? Mm Mm-hmm. Can you have diabetes there? No. Allergies? No. Stomach flu? No. Cancer? Mm-mm. He said you. But if your mind is not renewed, you're going to call pastor and say, Pastor, pray for me because the doctor said I have. And you're going to take ownership. What does it say in Mark eleven twenty three? You will have what you say. You snare yourself with your own words. That's what it says in Proverbs 6. You snare yourself with your own words. So that's why you've got to have your mind renewed because when, you, when the doctor says you, you, you know in your heart he's talking about your house. Now, living in California twice a year, I have to have my house, my wood stubble house. It has to be checked over for termites every two years. So the termite inspector, he comes and he knocks on the door. Marilyn, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have termites. Uh, do you think I'm going to take that personally? No. I'm not taking that personally. Don't take it personally if he says you've got diabetes or allergies or cancer or a heart condition. Amen? Don't take that personally because you do not have it. If you're living from the inside out, you get the victory. Do you understand? Am I helping you? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because otherwise, if your mind is not renewed, it's going to constantly argue. You know, but the doctor said, but God said, yeah, but I don't feel, but God, yeah, but, but God. You see what I'm saying? Your greatest need is that your mind is renewed to the word of God. So you begin to see yourself as the word says you are because you live from the inside out. You've got to see it here first if you're going to see it here. Amen. Amen. Now, let me promote you. Oh, I need one more, one more person, one more gentleman. Oh, wait, it's okay. You come up here. As fast as you want to help, I mean, we're not going to turn you down. No, I need you to stand right in front so the whole world can see you, girl. I like you. Hi, Pastor. Hi, Pastor. Bless the pastors today on their time of rest. Amen. Amen. Um, you are going to be Jesus. 
after the cross. How's that? Yeah, yeah well, you get to be the Holy Ghost. Sweet. That's sweet. Yeah. God, just, just for a little while. God. <laughs> <laughs> just for a little while, Pastor, in case Pastor's listening. You get to be the pillar of the church. Amen. Amen. The worship, I mean, hallelujah. <laughs> I led a man to the Lord in Africa. He was 100 years old. He was oh, all, all I, he was, he came, I mean, I thought when I saw this man, I thought, perfect cover for National Geographic magazine. <laughs> he had little slippers on and just a, a cloth wrapped around him and a, just a little bit of gray hair and a crooked stick, and he's just walking like this, and his eyes were all matted shut. I had the honor, that man walked right up to me, and I began to tell him about Jesus, and he he's, I never heard about a man named Jesus. I thought, to live a hundred years and never hear about Jesus. So he wanted to ask Jesus into his heart. So I'm leading him uh, to the Lord. Of course, I'm using the translator. And as he's praying, he went. He stood straight up. I have never seen anybody's countenance change so dramatically, instantly. And when I saw him, I said, oh, hallelujah. And he goes, hallelujah. <laughs> still counts. Yeah, it still counts, yeah. So you're going to be the pillar of the church. Okay. Now, I, I'm the devil. I don't like to volu mm. volunteer for the devil, but I don't wanna, we don't want to have a deliverance service or anything. So now, usually when we pray, our prayers go in one of two directions. We're either asking God to do something he's already done. Sometimes we beg and we plead and we cry, Jesus, heal me, heal me. Well, Calvary was so well done in one act, it's not going to be repeated. So you're praying something that's already been checked off the list. Or otherwise, sometimes we're praying and asking the Lord to do something he's told us to do. So let's just imagine the devil is attacking you, sickness and disease, and you turn to Jesus. You're begging and pleading, and Je but nothing happens. Nothing happens because Jesus already went to the cross. But you're getting worse and worse. The whole church is, it's all over Facebook. Everybody's praying, but she's, she's still getting worse. Nothing's happening. But then one day, what is your name? Teresa. Oh, Teresa, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. My name's Marilyn. Hi, Marilyn. <laughs> but, but so one day, Teresa's reading the word of God, and the Lord says, Teresa, I have given you authority to trample on serpents, on scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means should hurt you. So now she turns and she takes authority over that attack from the devil. Spirit of infirmity, I break your hold. I pull you down from your position of authority, and I break the power assignment you have against me, for it is written. And I actually have that little prayer in that green packet out there because it's a powerful tool. But when she, when she says that prayer, now the whole time she was being defeated, she was still born again, wasn't she? Mm -hmm. The power of the Holy Spirit was still inside of her, but she's, she's being defeated. But now when she takes her authority, look what happens to her. Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Put your hands on her shoulders, both hands. The Holy Spirit has come to be her helper, not the doer. She's the doer. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is the helper. Mm -hmm. And when she prays in her heavenly language, she is building herself up mm -hmm. so that she will not get weary in well-doing. The Bible says don't cast away your confidence. Don't get weary. So the Holy Spirit is her helper. Look what else happens to Teresa. Jesus, you also put both your hands on her shoulders. The Bible Praise says that God. you feel that glory. <laughs> <laughs> the 
The Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for you, Teresa, and me. I think sometimes we forget that Jesus is actually praying for us every day. Isn't that awesome? Now, I don't know what Jesus is praying, but you can be sure he's got all the bases covered. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Look what else happens. God, you oh. put both your... Woo! I'll hold you up. I'll hold you up. <laughs> the Bible says that God looks over his word that Teresa spoke from her spirit, and he puts life on it. He puts life on it. And when she takes authority over the devil, it's not an option. The devil has to flee. Whoa, Charlie. <laughs> but a few moments ago, you looked at her, and she was defeated. You look at her now, all of heaven is backing her up. When you take your authority, heaven stands at attention. Amen. It's ready to move. Amen. And when the devil looks at you, the devil does not see flesh and blood. The devil sees a spirit of life, of force, of authority. He sees the whole armor of God, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. When she resists the devil, when you resist the devil, it's not an option. He has to flee. Glory Amen. To it is written. Amen. It is written. Thank Praise you so much. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to share one really quick testimony about taking your authority because, is that okay? Can I have another? Uh, when you take authority over the devil, I want you to understand, he's not just going to come up to you and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to bother you. You didn't want cancer? I didn't know you didn't want cancer. My goodness, I'll leave right now. No. The devil is not going to flee like that. He's going to keep coming back and back. He's going to keep throwing out symptoms. He's going to, you're going to get worse and worse because you know why? He's checking uh, what level. What level? He's going to keep coming back and back and back until he sees what level can I devise. Is, is that person on the level that I can devour them? But he finds out, oh, rich level, he has to flee. A number of years ago, I was preaching in Spain. I was with my missionary friends that live over there, and they had to leave the country to take care of us, some visas and passports and things. And so the closest place to go was Morocco, Africa. And they asked me if I would go with them because they'd never been to Africa. And I said, well, sure, I'll go with you. So we had to take the boat from Spain over to Morocco. And when we got off the boat, we walked through the terminal. And then we got outside the terminal. And we were bombarded, greeted by, I don't even remember, four or five very angry, mean Muslim men. And they walked right up to us and threatened to kill us. And they said, and if you say one nice word about the Jews, we're going to kill you right here on the spot. So I whispered to my missionary friends. I said, we need to go back into the terminal. And uh, so we did. And I said, you need to take your passport and your money and put it inside your garments. Put it inside your clothes. And when, because we can't lose our passport, we were supposed to get it to Morocco and then go on up to Casablanca. And I says, forget about Casablanca. We need to get, do what we have to do and get out of Dodge. But we can't lose our passport or our money. So you put that inside your garments. And now when we go out there, if they're there again, do not make eye contact. Do not say one word. Do not show fear. Well, we went back out there, and there they were again. 
Long story short, they harassed us for at least five hours. We couldn't get rid of them no matter what we did. And so my girlfriend's husband, I could tell, he's, he's losing his school. He's had it. And he's about to say something. And I whispered, I said, no, don't do it. Don't do it. I said, I'll just take authority over this. Let me just, because I knew he was going to be doing it out of the emotional room. I said, don't say anything. And my girlfriend whispered, and she says, well, Marilyn, be sure you don't use the name of Jesus. I said, well, I'm not going to do it in the name of Marilyn. <laughs> I mean, I was shocked that she said that. I, I, turned, I whispered back and said, Jesus is our power. The name is our power. So I looked at those. Now I made eye contact with them. And I looked at them. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command you to leave us alone now. Do you think? They said, oh, we're so sorry. No. No, they didn't say that. As a matter of fact, two of those men came right up to me, and they pressed their body against my body. And they're right here, and they are screaming ugly things at me. And I thought, well, I'm thinking to myself, if you're mad now because of what I said, you're really going to be mad with what I do next. Because I thought to myself, if they think that their God is bigger than mine, they're mistaken. So I decided I'm going to start to sing. I'm going to worship. And I'm going to sing about the blood. And they're really not going to like that. And I thought to myself, and I'm going to, and I'm, I had to squeeze up because I'm going to raise one hand towards heaven because I'm holding on to my carry-on luggage. And I'm going to start walking forward. And they're either going to get out of my way or they're walking backwards. But I am coming through. And so I just made up a song. I just lifted up my hand. I said, Lord, I thank you for your blood. And I'm shouting. I'm, Lord, I thank you for the blood. Ooh, they're really getting mad now. And, <laughs> and they're backing up, and they're backing up. And I thought, I'm not going to stop singing until they're gone. And I walked the distance of about three city blocks. And all of a sudden, they all ran across the street, the road, it was just a road, and I looked over at them. They were jumping up and down so furious that they just got defeated. Whoa. Somebody said, why did it take you so long? Why did you wait five hours to do that? I said, well, for me personally, I thought it was wisdom because we uh, walked right into the middle of the enemy's camp. That devil was not on our territory. We walked right into his. I thought, let's just do what we have to do and get out of town, get, get back on the boat and get back, back to Spain. But it wasn't working, so I thought, okay, I still have authority. He's still under my feet. I don't care if I'm in the middle of his camp. But you can't take step one if you're not ready to go the full nine yards. Don't even think about it. Don't think about taking step one if you're not ready to go the whole way. Get that word in you on a rich level because the devil is under your feet. And whether it's called cancer, diabetes, or whatever it's called, victory belongs to you and to me. Amen. And you need to know how to take your authority. But get that word in you on a rich level and become so intimately with the Father. So intimately that you can be deeply and intimately acquainted with him and understand the power that outflows from his resurrection. That power is on the inside of you. And he loves you. Uh, he, he loves you most and knows you best. So get intimate with the Father. It makes all the difference in the world to know him, to love him, to worship him, 
His intimacy is to worship, and worship means intimacy. Worship actually means to draw close <clears throat> with the intent to kiss. Intimacy. And intimacy, uh, worship doesn't happen automatically. That's a cultivated response. And the key to cultivate that is the word, getting it in you on a rich level.